Good evening, my name is Isaac. I convey the hippos. I'm having with me here today, Mr. Ebun Omoni. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so yes, my name is Ebun Omoni. Um, I am a, I oversee a product team here at Indela that focuses on building technology that helps um, teams all around the world ultimately manage their distributed developers and teams and workforces. Um, I have been working in product management or officially since the year 2008. That was the first time I had a job that had a title product manager associated with it. But I got back into product management probably a little before that initially when I was working all along the software development lifecycle as a consultant at Accenture. I didn't know it was called product management. I didn't know there was a field called product management. But there's a point in time when I was working to build um, Java-based software for large government organizations and ultimately found that I gravitated more towards understanding what to build and why to build it, the problem it was solving, more so than the actual implementation or QA or rollout per, per se. So I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, let me start finding jobs related to it. I thought it was like business analysis. Um, and then at some point while I was looking for other jobs, I stumbled upon a title called product manager. I read it. I read the description. I was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. That's how I discovered there was a profession called product management. That's great. Across Africa, product management seems to be a very new field. And from our personal view, I think a lot of organizations are not really key into the functions of product managers in their organizations. So what would you say product managers do in organizations and why are they important in organizations? Sure. So I, I think product management is fundamentally about ultimately figuring out how to ultimately better balance, how do I put it, to serve the needs of two parties. One is some entity or some organization that provides something of value, and two is the consumer who ultimately goes to get that thing of value. They might exchange money, they might exchange um, like time, they might exchange eyeballs in the case of advertisements. But you have an organization that provides something, you have your consumers who want that thing. Product managers sit in the middle and ultimately try to figure out how do you maximize value for the consumers of that thing, or as well as for the providers, the organizations, the companies who provide that thing. And that's where I believe product management is at the, at the end of the day, maximizing value for those two parties. That's great. So do you think product managers actually fit in all organizations? I do. I, I think there will be a point in time in the future where you see product management across just about every organization. And this is for a few reasons. One is that even if we just assume product management is only within the world of software, every company has to become a software company because software is eating the world. And so, you know, it's interesting if you talk, if you go to Domino's Pizza, the CEO of Domino's Pizza says they're a technology company, a software company that just provides pizza to people. But they don't see themselves as a pizza company, they see themselves as a tech company. There's a number of like automotive companies around the world who are like, they believe that technology is their future and like their job is to provide a technology platform that allows people to move from point A to point B as opposed to just being like car companies. And so I think ultimately every organization is going to become a software company. But even if you don't think of it from a software perspective, the core idea behind product management is that you're maximizing value for your two constituents, those who provide some service or value, some product, and those who ultimately exchange something of value in order to get that that service or product. So you can look at the government of Nigeria. You look at the Lagos State government. Like, it is a product that we as residents decide to buy. You know, we decide to live here. We decide to invest our time, energy, and money in the, 
in the economy here because we believe that it's a good place to live for one reason or another. So there's a provider, the government, um, the Lego state government, and then there are consumers, us as constituents. I'm pretty sure the government does not have product managers working, but there are people who are serving in some product management capacity. There's somebody who is sitting there, even the politicians who are saying, what should I campaign on, right, to the people of Lagos? They're basically trying to say, why would people want to vote for our party? Um, let's tell them about things we plan to do that are going to increase value for them. And that's the same thing as what a product manager would do it in a software company. You're trying to figure out what your consumer wants that's going to exchange, increase their value. So I said, they exchange things with value to the provider, whether it be a tech company based in Nigeria, a tech company around the world, like your Googles, your WhatsApp, your Facebooks of the world, and so on and so forth. That's interesting. So, um, like you said, uh, at some point before before you um, before you venture into product management, mm-hmm. you you had done some things in the, as a product in, um, in the capacity of a product manager without knowing mm-hmm. that you were a product manager. Yep. I think the same thing that happened to me, right? Mm-hmm. I had done some things before, before I even get to know there's something about called product management. Mm-hmm. Now, what skills do you think are required for for somebody who wants to become a product manager? So, fundamentally, like at the highest level, it's about understanding business and it's about understanding consumers. It's about understanding or the world of the provider of whatever the product is and the world of the consumers who are going for that product. In the case of like software and technology products, this typically means business. You have to understand why a company would make money or how a company would make money off of providing some service or some product. Right? And yet at the same time, you have to understand consumers. There's this concept called consumer science to ultimately better understand how, which involves like psychology, which involves understanding people's pain points, depending on what the market may be. Um, so those two at its core is like what I would say is like, it's like business and it's consumer science to, um, to make that a little bit more tangible and not say that in, in such an abstract way. If, you know, if there is a technology company that's building software, let's say for our, our artisans like plumbers, in Lagos, and so it's like software for the plumbers to be able to manage all their clientele in Lagos. You and you want to create software for them. You have to understand the consumers, which are the the plumbers. And you also have to understand how you can provide this product in such a way that you will make money, because it's ultimately adding value to the to the plumber's life. Adding value to the plumber's life might be figuring out ways to help them make more money. It could be figuring out ways for them to operate more efficiently. So instead of working sixty hours that week, they might be able to get as much money thirty hours a week. You have to figure out what makes sense for them. Ultimately, the user interface, ultimately the functionality that's within that software solution has to make sense for the plumbers. What makes sense for them might not make sense for carpenters. So once again, it's like there's the business side. How do you make money? Why is it useful for you to create the software in the first place as a business or a provider? Then understand the consumers, the plumbers. Understand like why they would even want to use this in the first place. How do you ultimately position this in such a way that they're going to be like, holy shit, this is exactly what I was looking for in order to grow my business as an artisan or as a plumber you know, in Lagos or anywhere else in the world. Okay, so you, 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 you mean product managers now are more like um, the pivot the pivots that's um, that's actually that's everything about the business rules on. I, it's um you know oftentimes when you think about so I've worked in a number of companies in a product capacity and what you do tend to find is that if your company if you ultimately builds a product that is geared toward, towards a consumer that or to a business 
the person or the role, the function that has to know as much as they can about the entire business tends to be the product manager. So this is why I say business is so important. If um, I worked at a consumer, um, a B2C tech company before I moved to Nigeria for Indela, and our customer base was the student market, the um, collegiate, either college-bound, like high school seniors, as well as university students and grad students. And so we had people who would market to them, and they just had to understand the marketing side, like, you know, how to position things in order to get people to want to come back to our site. We had people who were doing, like, advertising um, and doing things like SEM, um, you know, and other types of digital marketing who were kind of trying to find people who were prospects, but not existing customers, how to get them to even come to our site. We had people who were doing sales because some of our customers at that company were universities. So people who were doing sales were like, how do you just position the product? Um, that were selling to the universities, such that the uh, universities would buy it. But the people who needed to understand sales and marketing and operations and the logistics and the users themselves um, and the university customers themselves and, and so on and so on and so forth, and engineering were the product managers. So it, I did tend to find that product managers have to know a little bit about everything. You have to be a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. Whereas, whereas other roles within the technology space, oftentimes you're able to kind of focus a little bit more. You can be a little bit more of a specialist and less of a generalist. And But it also comes down to like the size of the company you're working for or the size of the product and the market you have. The larger the company, the more specialization that exists. I imagine like if you are a product manager at a Facebook, a Google, and Instagram, you can focus a little bit more because they have enough revenue to ultimately say, we just want you to focus on improving the news feed or improving the account management um, for our, our customers. And you can just become a specialist there. If you are starting your own company and the CEO of every new company is always the first product manager, or if you join a young company like Wallet.ng that just got into Y Combinator um, or, or PageStack or Piggy Bank, um, and it's, you know, they're not, you know, they're a little bit younger, then, you know, you typically do need to be a bit more of a generalist and um, you need to understand all aspects of it. So that's more on the business side and like what you need to understand within an organization, understanding completely how the company operates, understand how value is added from each aspect to the consumer. Um, I, and I tend, to, I tend to find that to be extremely important in terms of like how you approach skill set and knowledge. Um, as a product manager on the business side, in terms of your general skills, like uh, people will say things like, oh, you need to be conversant in technology, like software, design, and business. And they'll say there's different character traits, like being able to be a strong and effective communicator, uh, being able to do stakeholder management and engagement, um, under empathy, curiosity, being like data conversant. Um, if you are growing a business, um, and you have the fortune and privilege to be able to serve lots of users. How do you make product decisions? How do you take input from different places, user metrics, qualitative data, and feedback is coming? And how do you make decisions based off of this big, vast, you know, uh, uh, trove of like insights and data? Um, and, so, and so those are some of the other general skills that I typically hear uh, people talk about and what I've found to be generally true, I guess, um, in my experience. So when you say, okay, as a product manager, right, I, I personally have this, when, when I first got introduced to product management um, proper, mm-hmm. 
one of the first things I write about product management is a product manager is the product CEO. Do you, do you go for or against that notion, right? Personally, I so much believed it for, for the first few months until I started digging deeper and deeper and I'm learning different things about who a product manager is. So personally, right now, I wouldn't tell you a product manager is a product CEO. Neither will I tell you he's not a product CEO. So from, from your own um, stance and from your long years of experience in product management, do you think a product manager is a product CEO? So I, <laughs> that is one of those controversial like statements, which is like the product manager is the CEO of the product. And I think it beca- it's misconstrued. And I think part of the reason is because people have different understandings of what a CEO does. And there are different types of CEOs who do different things. I suspect that whoever coined that term basically said, yes, decisions are made by the CEO, but they're informed decisions by talking with the rest of the team and understanding the market and all the stakeholders and investors and so on and so forth. Um, and that's a CEO you know, makes informed decisions by talking with people who they hire to their teams to help them understand finance like your CFO or operations like your CEO. They take all this input and then they make a decision with what CEO does. There's another way you could think about CEO, which is just the person who just like, people think about like a Steve Jobs type CEO, who just like, here's what we're gonna do, I'm just gonna go do it. And the, the misconception the um, about like, you know, about that kind of CEO, or maybe it's not a misconception, is that basically they are like, you know, that brilliant person who has the vision and just says, we're gonna go this direction, without really taking input from other people. So I think because there's different ways people think about CEOs, when people hear the expression, a product manager, CEO of a product, people respond differently. Because one person hears CEO of the product and they're hearing definition A for CEO. The other person hears CEO of the product, they're hearing definition B of the, uh, the CEO. And then they're both saying, oh, the product manager, CEO of the product, they think they're speaking the same language. They're actually talking about two different things. So if you say, if you say that, uh, a CEO is somebody who gets insights from all members of the team, from the consumers, from the market, from other colleagues who are specialists in marketing who have been talking with the users, as well as some of the sales team who have been trying to sell to the users. And then they, they take all this input, and then they make decisions based off of all the stakeholder input and consumer insights. And that's what a CEO does? Then I would agree that that's a CEO of the product. If you go with the definition that a CEO is somebody who is just like the the head of the team who makes all decisions independent of what other people say and doesn't really take their input, then I would, say, I would disagree and say a product manager is not a CEO of a product. I think a product manager makes informed decisions with whatever insight will ultimately maximize value for the consumer of the product and the provider to be the business of the product. And if you think of a CEO as doing the exact same thing when they're setting strategy and whatnot, then I'm perfectly fine with that definition. But usually when you hear CEO of the product, it's a very short phrase to kind of help people understand what does a product manager do. And because different people have different understandings for what a CEO does, they all hear different things. And that's why it's a dangerous statement. But if you qualify what a CEO does, I think it's perfectly fine. That's great. Really great. So um, product managers, they ensure products meets the requirements of its users and also um, help the organization achieve its vision. Mm-hmm. Am I right? 
yes, achieve his vision, achieve his goals, goals and right. specific outcomes. Now, um, so who takes the blame? A third product. A what? Of a third product. Oh, product manager. <laughs> so if you're a product manager, you sell it. If, when things are successful, you always give credit to everybody else. If things don't work, you always take the blame. If the buck stops with you. Um, the reality is that if you're a product manager, the interesting thing about it is that you don't actually do... Well, let me put it... There's different ways you can think about it. If you are a product manager for a young company or if you're the first product manager, which is often CEO, like you started a company, you're going to wear many hats. You're going to be doing the marketing. You're going to be talking to customers. If you have a technical background, you might be coding at night as well. You're doing all of it, right? But if you're a product manager in a growing company, you typically don't do any of that. Like, your job is to make sure the product is successful, but you are often leveraging your business partners and colleagues in different parts of the organization. You're not doing the marketing yourself, but um, you're working with the product marketing and you're working with the digital marketers. You're not building the product yourself. You're not coding, but you're working with engineers. So for it to be successful, you are doing a lot of the coordination and make sure people are aligned, but you're not actually doing any of the execution per se. That's your engineers. That's your marketing. That's um, your analysts who's helping to interpret all the data if you have a large company. Um, and so you give credit and props and accolades um, when there's a successful product launch or feature launch or growth. But if something breaks, it's all on you. If something doesn't work, it's all on you. That's the way, to, the mentality to do it. Now, this is interesting because in many traditional organizations and enterprises, and I would argue that many larger companies in Nigeria are probably like this, um, that it is like anathema to what people's general belief is about how you work in an environment. Like if something doesn't work, everybody's quick to be like, it's not my fault. It's because of somebody else, somebody else. People wanted to cast blame or throw blame on other people because people are not comfortable with the idea that a failure happens and they're concerned that they'll be held accountable. If you are growing and building a product in today's marketplace in the 21st century, the year 2019, the reality is that failure is inevitable. So it's not about whether something failed or not. It's about that you learn so that you can quickly improve. A product doesn't have to, unless you go into like, um, you know, ghost mode, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Like for like two years, you know, stealth mode for like two years and the market's changed you're not validating it. Like, you know, a product, you know, uh, can be, a product failure can be learned from and you can iterate this is why people talk about the lean methodology, like Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup. So when people talk about iterating fast, and this is why Agile blew up and became a big thing. They're like, just quickly put things out there so you can learn and, and pivot or persevere based off of what the market tells you, based on what your consumers tell you. The reality is that no business plan survives first contact with the market and no product for, survives first contact with its users. You have to put something out there and learn and iterate. So failure is inevitable in today's product landscape. And so it's like, um, it's, I think it's perfectly fine for something to fail as long as you learn from it and figure out how to iterate. Um, but every product has failed um, and people have learned from it. Like the number of things Facebook has put out there that they they scrap. You know, if you talk about Google, Google, uh, there's Google, um, what do you call it? Not Google Lens. G+. Like they're a competitor to Facebook. Like basically, they didn't like sunset it completely. But Facebook had all these competitors to Instagram and Snapchat. Facebook Pope was supposed to be Snapchat competition, didn't work, just killed it. Twitter started out as a podcasting company called Odeo, right? Before they, like, they were like, oh, here's something else to try. 
And you have lots of different experiments people put out there because the reality is that you won't know what works until it works. So you have to be comfortable actually failing. Now, if you're building like bespoke software, which is like kind of what the market is a little bit more like here, like so there, there's like building software that's, um, there's building like consumer software, B2B software, where you have to be much more iterative and experimental. And this is like what, you know, companies like Paystack and Flutterwave are doing a lot of. But then there's a traditional, there's a way of doing pro- building software products from before, which is still what I find to be pretty common, which is like you know exactly what you're supposed to build, where a company contracts out a tech firm to say, come build something bespoke for our operations team or, you know, for our for our customers, or we're hiring you to build it out. And they already themselves might have their own vision for what they want. They're not actually contracting you to build a product that solves the needs of your customer, they're contracting you out to build a product that they've already defined. And in that case, you can argue if it fails, is it on you, the product manager, or is it on the person who was paying the paychecks? If you try to push back and speak back, it gets it. You don't know exactly what I need to build. It's a different story. So what happens when you know, a, a product manager um, notices that the path we are going is not going to be favorable for, favorable for the business? Okay. Um, let's assume the organization is building um, a bespoke solution mm-hmm. for another organization. Mm-hmm. A tech firm is building a solution for another organization. And the organization comes around and says, hey, this is what we want to build. Mm-hmm. And the product manager in the tech firm goes through the requirements, asks all the whys and all the questions he needs to ask about everything. And at the end of the day, he comes up and says, um, from what I've learned so far, in those products we're trying to build for you guys, this is going to fail. Mm-hmm. And the customer insists and says, that is what I want, which is actually a typical real-life scenario mm-hmm. now. Now, if if the product manager accepts and builds the product for the organization, more like a B2B thing now, mm-hmm. it builds, or probably a B2B2C thing, it builds for the organization, the organization takes it and use it for the customers, mm-hmm. and the product fails. Mm-hmm. Who's to take the plan? So just to make sure I understand the question correctly, you're saying that, let's say it's a bespoke, like a, like a team yeah. that's been contracted to build a bespoke solution um, that has already been scoped out with specific requirements. There's a product manager who's trying to help drive this, and they're finding out that, hey, we don't think this is actually going to meet the desired outcomes that you actually want this solution to do, and they're pushing back and make a, a suggestion on something different. Um, if it's an interesting question because there, you can argue you can argue it in a couple of different ways. One way to think about it is that if you have been hired to build something specific, are you you know that's already been defined and spec'd out, and you are driving that, but you can't actually inform what gets built based off of your interaction with the customer. Is it actually product management? And I would might argue the answer is no. Like there's some aspects of product management that are there. Like if you are doing some things like writing user stories or maybe you're driving the sprints if you're building in a scrum agile based manner. Or if you are still testing with the user and you're able to make some tweaks for sure there's some aspects of product management that are there. But your goal as a product manager is to maximize value for your business as well as for your consumer. And so if you're like, hey, this is not going to maximize value, if it's not going to achieve the desired outcomes, 
but you don't actually have any agency to be able to push back because you've been hired to build something specific. You can argue it's not really project uh, product management; it's more maybe agile project management. Um, and maybe you can argue you've been hired to build a solution by a business for a specific customer. The business says, "Here's your customer," and the business says, "Here's the business." But you, who's been contracted out, maybe your customer in that case isn't actually the customer of the business. Your customer is the person who hired you as a business. In which case, you can argue that the role is to serve that customer, the company that hired you versus the customer's customer. Um, so, I would say, like you know, if it wasn't successful and you didn't actually have the power to make a change and you actually tried hard to actually make that change I'm, I personally and this is just my own opinion might say I'm not actually doing product management here it's a, it's a good gig it's um, you know it's an interesting you know, problem to solve but it's not really product management but that's maybe fine for that for that bit um, and, um, and that who takes the blame if it's not successful whoever decides that you can or cannot make those decisions to change it if you escalated the, the fact that you didn't think it was going to help achieve the desired outcomes. That was great. Really great. So, um, back to, to the basic questions, right? Um, you talked about the skills a product, a great product manager should have and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, um, in this part of the world, degrees as important to everybody as any other thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, as a product manager, what, what degrees do you think I should have from my university? Computer science, computer engineering, IT-based courses, um, STEM, or STEM courses, or what exactly is skill? What, what um, academic skills do you think I need to have to... Um... Yeah, um, I think that there isn't actually a set like degree when it comes to product management, although there are some that you'll find are common. I think because product management is huge in the world of software, you do find that people have like STEM backgrounds because one of the major pathways into product management is coming from being like an engineer. You're used to building stuff and at some point you start being curious to know, why am I building this? What led to the decision to build this solution? And so as a result, a lot of people go from engineering or software development or software engineering into product management. That's what I did. That's what you did. Mm-hmm. That's what a number of people who work in product here um, have done as well. There are other, um, but at the same time, because you know, product management itself is really about maximize value for your customers or your consumers or your business and the providers, I do find that people also come from those other two backgrounds. One is business or... Um, or, or the domain of whatever your product is in. The company I worked for last time, some of our product managers who were at the, um, at the company, which was an ed tech company, B2B and B2C for ed tech, some of them had worked in, um, in like academia and education and like tertiary institutions like universities. And then they, um, the product that I worked on ultimately served um, enrollment off- uh, admissions officers, basically the people who make the decisions as to who will enter and become freshmen or 100-level students. And so some of our product managers used to be admission officers before they joined as product managers because they understood that market, that consumer, so well. The other thing that you, you know, I'm starting to read and hear and a little bit more about, and I actually am appreciating it much more because of consumer science, are backgrounds in what you know we call humanities, like 
what liberal arts, it'd be like psychology and English. Public administration? Um, that, it, it, public administration could work like depending on what the, the product what is. the product is. But if you have a B2C product and it's a competitive market, and you're trying to figure out how do I get people to use my product versus others, knowing how to build software, and having a STEM background is not going to help you do that. Understanding how people think, the psychology of people, that's going to help you do it. How do you get people to use your product to keep coming back over and over again? That's all psychology right there. So, so you mean you mean now that a product manager should um okay my favorite book for 2018 was um was, was this book by Nir Al um, Hooked. I personally believe it's more about manipulative engineering to 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 manipulate how people adopt a solution. Do you suggest that um, product managers in essence have to be manipulating? <laughs> no, 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 no. So I, I think product managers have to understand what will make consumers want to use the product. Um, so I understand why you're saying like, so I think Nuriel's work stemmed out of this new, like, um, wild, wild west territory that's like uncharted territory called behavioral science. And then people started figuring out how to hack that. And that's where, like, like a lot of gaming companies, like, totally do this, right? They get you feeling a little bit addictive. And that's because of incentive structures, right? They make money when you come back, and there's, like, no real policies or rules or regulations. So people just do whatever it takes. And then you start figuring out how to use psychology to manipulate folks. Now, the reason I think that it's not manipulative, like, in itself, or, or, or doesn't, it can't survive if you're only, um, depending on manipulating people, is because consumers, at the end, they have choice. The consumers, they, they do not want to be manipulated. Manipulated, And then lastly, no matter what you do as a company in today's day and age, because information is so uh, pervasive, things are going to become uncovered. You can't do stuff and not ultimately be found out. So if you're trying to just kind of get in and build a product that's manipulative and sell it in six months, maybe <laughs> that can work. If you're trying to build something for a long haul, that won't work. That's how you lose trust. And this is what a number of companies are getting backlash for. Like right now, a lot of the large global tech companies are getting backlash for it because of that. So, but for example, let's say you smoke cigarettes, right? Like what, 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 um, habit talks about are you have triggers, you have behaviors, you have rewards. So if you smoke cigarettes, maybe something stresses you out. It's like, um, maybe that's your trigger. Your action is that you go smoke a cigarette. Your reward is that that nicotine calms you down and you feel relaxed. But smoking cigarettes in itself is not necessarily a positive behavior. So let's say you built an app, a product, that somehow, like using an Apple Watch or whatever, can tell when you're stressed. And so because it knows you're stressed and knows you're about to want to go out and smoke a cigarette, instead it makes a suggestion, hey, go do five push-ups. Or hey, go stand up and take a walk. You know, um, or go talk to a coworker, or go watch YouTube for a few minutes. It'll just tell you to do things that will ultimately be a different action you take, but still have the same reward. And it's using the same concepts. It's, it's understanding your psychology in order to get you to do something, but that's actually positive and results in a better uh, outcome for you, which is you know, lungs that are full of smoke. So <laughs> that's great. I, I really appreciate um, the time off with you today, and. Uh, I'm so sure you would, you would like to um, join Hippos next time. 
to have further discussion about product, right? <laughs> um, yeah, like I mentioned uh, before, before we started recording, um, I'm passionate about increasing the product discipline um, across the continent of Africa. I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about increasing more product leaders, um, people who move into product roles and take on product responsibilities. And so if there's something that's helping to further that, then that's aligned with my own personal mission that I'm all for supporting. That was really great. I really appreciate having the time with you, Mr. Yeah. 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 So great. Yeah. Sorry, so so great. Thank you so very much for your time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure.